This week, Tim Apple announces that Apple is now a financial services company. And McDonald's goes big into AI. You're listening to The A-Game. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jim Ganser. I am joined today by two of my friends, one of which wasn't with us last week, Mr. Jeff Culleton. Dear friends, I would say. Dear, dear friends. Dear friends. Vacationing friends, if it ever comes to that. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much professed our friendship today. Uh, It's going to be a long-term engagement. Yep. Best friends. Yeah. And, And speaking of best friends, we also have Morgan Rooks with us today. Morgan. As always, very happy to be here. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Stealing that from our beloved Joel, who could not join us today. Why is he, that, Morgan? He is off seeing Ariana Grande. I believe the correct uh, terminology is tailgating for Ariana Grande right now. I think he's in a parking lot. Probably, yes. Uh, probably having, we agreed on twisted tea. Twisted tea? Probably a twisted tea. Handful yeah. of twisted teas. Mm-hmm. Um, his shirt tied up. At the side, showing a little midriff, uh, just in a parking lot, getting after it. Have fun, Joel. You be you. I mean, I'll admit I'm a little bit jealous, oh, you know. Yeah, and I also saw on, uh, I think it was Twitter, there's a, a new social media game that can be in real life, also appropriate for tailgating, is Pin the Ponytail Ooh. on Ariana Grande. So, Joel, wherever you are I'm a pin in that parking tail. lot outside of the queue, I sincerely hope that you and your twisted tea are pinning the ponytail. On Ariana Grande. Did you hear who's opening up, special guest opening up for Ariana Grande tonight? No. John Cicada? Oof. Ooh, if only. Just another day. No. Snoop Dogg. Are you serious? No. Not serious. Oh. Who is opening for Ariana Grande? I don't know. Ariana Grande doesn't need an opening act. She comes on. She does a four-hour set. And she says, thank you, next. Mmm. I think that's a for. reference to a song. Current events. Oh, Jeffrey events. knows. I do. It's a song. Jeffrey's up to date on Chris Kardashian's culture. in the video. Right. I'm going to come clean. I'm going to come clean on something here. I don't know any songs by Ariana Grande. Not one. You know, we have one of our clients um, at uh, KeyBank is Ariana Goldstein. Oh, and yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big uh, fan of her music. Don't call me Grande. Yeah. So Ariana, if you're listening, which I will be checking uh, later on, um, I'm going to reference this and see if you noticed. Yeah, or you could just follow us at the A Game Podcast on Twitter. Twitter. So I'm, if you really if you want to tweet at us and and give us some feedback on how things are going so far, hey, can I uh, can I just talk about a quick milestone? Yeah. Hey, Jim and Morgan. Yeah. This is the thirtieth episode this of the A Game, which I can't tell you warms the cockles of my heart to say that we've made it this far because much of life is not about splash bang flashy moments; it's about consistency. Mm-hmm. And man, am I am I damn proud of this consistency. Yeah, I mean, we're we're almost to our goal for the year. I I think I remember Jeff laying out a specific goal at the year-end episode. Yep. Um, 50. Yeah, 50 episodes. So we only got 20 more to go. I can only imagine what's going to unfold within the next 20. Well, golly. We're almost hitting Honeymoon Avenue. <sighs> Are you worried? Also an Ariana Grande song. No, I'm just trying to see how many Ariana Grande references I can drop in one Okay, podcast. makes sense. You think we could get her? Maybe if we add her on this when we post it. Yeah, why don't we? She'll do be that? like, maybe oh, we'll, maybe we'll go vintage uh, on our 30th anniversary and do a cold knock on I'm Ariana look Grande. And see if Ariana Grande has a LinkedIn page. Cold knocks. She probably doesn't. 
but maybe we can get a follow on Twitter. Don't tell me my business, Morgan. Okay, I won't. But I will tell you that uh, apparently a band called Social House is opening for Ariana Grande. That sounds fake. Never heard of them. You know where they're from, though? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Glasgow. No. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ooh, okay. Do you know what else is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania besides Jim Ganser this weekend? Uh, Permanu Brothers? Well, yes, that too. Mm-hmm. But the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, Jesus. I can't. You know what? I'm cutting this off. Jim, would you please start this episode? <laughs> I can't talk about Everyone's hockey right now because my team is out of the playoffs. And now you know what she's doing? She's victory lapping. Mm. She's victory lapping on air. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is not a, this is not a hockey podcast. So we're going to talk about the, the week in media marketing and technology. And that all starts with Apple. Uh-huh. So we talked a little bit last week, Jeff, while you were away caring for your loved ones. Uh, we talked a lot They're about fun. the anticipation of Apple's announcement and dovetailed that into a subscription service because we knew that the TV announcement was coming. And then we knew that the Apple News announcement was coming. Yep. But as an added bonus, we find out about the Apple card, which um, was something that we, we couldn't have anticipated at the time. But it's a really interesting conversation because now Apple is getting to a point where they're starting to offer a digital credit card. But in the short term, for any of those vendors out there that don't accept um, Apple Pay, they're going to actually mail a physical titanium card <laughs> without <laughs> any numbers on it. I know. Super Apple, by the way. Super Apple. Couldn't be more Super Apple. Super Apple, by the way. One of the many, th- the few things since Steve Jobs has passed away that he would totally nod to. He'd be like, oh, yeah, this one. I like this one. I mean, yeah. they didn't originate the metal credit card, but yes, it's very Apple. The, none of the stuff that they ever do, they originate. They just get it. The, the iPod was the only thing. Everything else um, is they come second and they do it a lot better. What was that, the thing, the Zune? Did no one have a Zune? Was that a Zune? <laughs> Microsoft, yeah, thing? Microsoft Zune. Yeah. Well, Joe Morell, if you're listening, worked on that team. Here's what's kind of interesting about the whole credit card business. Um, they've got some different bells and whistles. Obviously, they're making it easy for somebody to get into a credit card, but it seems to be really geared towards a very young audience, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe an entry level in terms of credit card adoption. So you've, you've got your iPhone. You can fast track all the way through, get accepted for a certain line of credit. And then it has a, um, a catchy little cash card where as you collect, you collect points as you go and it goes over to your cash card, which is great for somebody that doesn't know better, that isn't attached to any other credit cards and sees the ultimate value of acquiring points over time. But it, it just kind of begs the question, where are they going with this? Um, I mean, we talked a little bit last week, Jeff, about with the subscription services, could they be de-risking themselves uh, as they've tethered themselves to the manufacturing of phones? How does the financial services aspect uh, kind of fold in? So, <laughs> so if there was one theme from uh, last week. Jeff week's, was waving to himself. I was waving. Yes. I was raising my hand. He was raising his hand. Feverishly. To Jeff first. As if he were the Hermione Granger of the A-game. Feverishly raising my hand. It was the adult equivalent of me, 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 me. Ooh, ooh, Holding ooh, up. Ooh, 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 calling ooh. me. Yeah. So okay, the, the um, most Apple an- uh, announcements are about the near future. What's the next phone going to look like? What's the next processor going to look like? How sharp is my camera going to be? This uh, was about the long-range future. So we talked about this in uh, – we have our monthly um, lunch and learn uh, around the office, and we talked about this. This – you know, you've we've now seen plateaued and in some instances sagging 
iPhone sales, which is the workhorse. Um, and it articulates to many people the future is not going to be one with hard cell phone devices in it, but technology is going to be embedded into the things we use. So what this is about in uh, the streaming capacity, in um, the financial services capacity, and in the capacity of news where they identified during that segment that they were not going to be sharing certain pieces of consumer data with publishers. It was all about the future. It was like, okay, where are we going now to keep stock price high, shareholder value high? And you have to start, everybody knows that they're in healthcare because that's a big problem. Financial services is ripe for disruption, is being disrupted right now. And Apple already has all your data, which is something that almost no financial services organization can say. And they use it well. And privacy. You know, we're going we're gonna to continue seeing this siren call from Apple and Facebook specifically around how we are going to limit people's access to your data. And this was, you know, this was kind of the kickoff, um, at least from Apple's perspective. So the, what does this look like moving forward um, when iPhone sales don't make up, you know, $38 billion a quarter for them? Well, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like subscription services. It's going to look like privacy services that you pay for. So Morgan is a super fan of Apple. So when you find out about the Apple card, what are the first things that kind of pop for you? What, what gets you excited about this product? So I think the first thing that really struck me as interesting about the way the Apple card rewards are structured is that you get two times a reward if you use the Apple card on your phone, but only one time reward. So basically, you know, one cent cash back or whatever if you use the actual physical card that they send you. Titanium cards aren't free, Morgan. Um, true, true. Uh, backstory, I'm a mileage churner, which is someone who uh, revolves through credit cards in order to get airline miles. Um, so I'm, you know, I, rewards programs are something that interests me just because I am a mileage churner and I like to travel a lot. So looking at, at cash value propositions on credit cards always intrigues me. But what... I think it's less about the titanium card and the cost behind it and more about encouraging that phone usage. Uh, the, the thing I thought sounded really funny in one of the articles was that the reason that people need titanium cards is for their bar tabs, which is just great. And also <laughs> something that, you know, I'm sure that Apple or someone will solve for in the future. You could scan your phone and that serves as your bar tab. But um, will it be a product that I use? No, not necessarily, just as I mentioned that you know, I'm, I'm more into travel rewards, and it's a decent cashback proposition. And I think Jim mentioned this, but for somebody who's coming into getting credit cards, you know, somebody's on the younger millennial side of it, this is a great way for them to uh, start to get, get credit, get a credit card, and it also comes with software that shows you how you're spending and where you're spending, and purportedly aims to make you smarter financially. Whether that's true will be seen. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you use Apple Pay or any other mobile payment app? I have a card loaded on Apple Pay, mm -hmm. and I don't find that many of the locations I go to have Apple Pay available as a payment option. I yeah. would like to use it more than I do, but I just don't really have the availability to do it. The, because this is not, you know, this is, Apple's not just becoming a financial institution. They are. Yeah. A financial institution. This is consumer finance. 
um, in, in daily usage stuff. So instead of holding somebody else's card and paying them X commission, they're doing it themselves, which makes perfect sense. But it's so interesting to see how consumers ad- adapt to things and adopt new technology. We don't do it overnight. Yep. There's no, you have to have one of the few companies to have the runway cash wise to say, this is the way the future is going to look. And I'm willing to put in four or five years for the return of mm-hmm. being the front runner to, you know, be the infrastructure of how the future is going to look. The, I don't use, I don't use Apple Pay either. I have a card loaded. I just don't, I don't know why. Um, but I'm a guarantee in the next two years that as point of sale systems start to switch over and they're incentivized through Apple to make this the forefront of things, uh, that we're all going to start using it a lot more. Because this isn't, this isn't just about them having a titanium credit card, which is ridiculous in and of itself. But this is more about a outward change in consumer behavior and them leading it, which, like I said, they're one of the only few who can do that. I do really hope the infrastructure changes because let me tell you what's super great about Apple Pay or Google Pay or whoever's pay you're using on your phone is that as someone who changes purses a lot, which is a thing that females tend to do, but I'm not going to be gender biased. Like, you know, people can change wallets. People can change purses. People just change the way that they transport money. Mm -hmm. I have a bad habit of leaving my wallet at home in a different purse, especially on Mondays when I'm going into work and I get my work bag and I forget to put my wallet in it. And, you know, being able to pay on my phone, because I always have my phone, is something that will just be life-changing. And I should be able to do it more places by now, but not everyone's quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I read in in the, the coverage of this is the fact that with this card, they're not going to charge any annual fees, and they're not going to charge any late fees. And they're going to go out of their way to provide people with the information that they need to avoid paying interest. So clearly, when it comes to making money on this, it's really going to be a pass-along cost to those that are facilitating the transactions. At least I would believe that. And when I think through Morgan's point about, I wish I could use it more, do we just feel like Apple might be taking a hard line with with the average vendor? Do you think their pass-along cost uh, for having that type of technology on hand is that potentially what slowed this down? Because I've read estimates that 250 million people within this year are going to be using Apple Pay, which is a 200% increase. Like, what has slowed down this technology? Well, frankly, the point of sale systems, the ability for mm-hmm. the RFID technology that exists in the phone to exist properly in the scanning or in the um, in the credit card swiping machine that you see at CVS or whoever. Yes, it's sign it, for. Somebody like a CVS or a Walgreens or, you know, a, um, any major retailer, the relationship they have with that POS owner is something they have to leverage and say, I need that. My customers are asking for this. I need this. You either need to give them to me or I need to make a capital investment in them. That's the, that's the slow. Like that's, that's why this hasn't adopted so quickly is because you have a piece in between that Apple doesn't own. And that piece is an essential piece to or Amazon doesn't own or Google doesn't own is an essential piece to the transaction. And so consequently, the adoption of this has been the the speed of the adoption is almost solely based on the fact that you had to drip out this technology into the stores. And you also had to reconcile the um, 
the contracts that they, you know, any of those retailers have with uh, the software, the hardware provi- provider. Um, and, you know, not, if it's going to cost you, I'm making up numbers, it's going to cost you an extra two million bucks to outfit your stores or sign on for an extra couple of years. That's a barrier enough to, to keep it out of everywhere. That being said, the newest rounds of these things, without a doubt, will all be equipped. And so that's why I think your, you know, your, your number of adoption level and that skyrocketing is, is bound to happen. I agree with that. I think the point of still manufacturers, they're not able to keep up with technology as fast as it's changing. Because the one thing that I've noticed since I adopted Apple Pay on my particular phone was that a lot of places offer, so I think a couple of years ago, MasterCard came up with like their, they had the little like keychain fob where you could just pay for like your key fob. Yep. And everybody rushed out, and all of these places have that MasterCard key fob mm-hmm. RFID technology. But then so quickly, we just ramped from that up into Apple Pay and Google Pay. Yeah. And all of these stores went, but I just bought this new system. Now I need to go buy another new system. Mm-hmm. And the point of sales and, and the retail stores just aren't aren't able to just flip on a dime that fast. They've already invested in a technology and now they're kind of probably kind of like, mm, is this going to is this going to last? So can I ask you a thought-provoking question? Please do. Since we uh, since we're we're all ad folk and Apple in sense is going to be solely recording your transactions um, instead of a financial institution and Apple. Does Apple then parlay that into co-branded push notifications to consumers based off the geolocation on your phone? And do they start to get into the ad game based off of the point of sale data that they have, based off of your habits, and based off of your geolocation? You have a relationship you've opted in with Apple. Does Apple start to sell those experiences and those eyes and that attention to the advertisers with which you're consuming already. Naturally, your mind goes down that path because you're putting yourself in a position where you've got a device manufacturer that people have extreme loyalty towards that has just a bit more information to personalize your experience, uh, not only with the phone, but everywhere you're going with the phone, which is a huge opportunity. But they've also said clearly that they're not going to sell your data. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this because how are they going to use this personalized data to pro- provide value back to the the owner of the smartphone without potentially bringing in the vendors that you frequent to provide you with offers and incentives to come back into those stores? I feel like there's got to be some kind of a gray area you're, that they're not digging into right you're now. You're tiptoeing around it. I don't yeah. think that they're necessarily selling the data. Right? Exactly. There, so I think there's two ways they could go about it. One is the way which Jeff mentioned, where you're sending push notifications to people who, you know, maybe they buy a lot of Pepsi, and so you're sending a Pepsi notification. Maybe you're sending a Coke if you really want to be conquesty. Um, the other flip side is because they've already sh- they're already structured with a rewards program, they could partner with mostly retail outlets or other businesses to be like, if you use your Apple Pay card at Target we will give you 30% off or you will get 
three times the points at this retailer. And a lot of credit cards do that currently. They partner with these various retail outlets. You get bonus points, and it encourages you to maybe shop at one store over another because you're trying to get more cash back. And you never, ever transition a user's data with that model to the brand. So the brand buys the audience. You market to that audience based off the information on their phone, which you never obtain. And that's, and that's the loop. And that's amazing. So th- we've talked about this before, tokenized advertising. We use the example of, of, uh, of Starbucks. If I, I allow Starbucks to advertise to me, then I get free stuff. Central point is your phone. So now I have an option, ding, 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 checkbox, I'll let these people advertise to me. And instead of them getting my data, what they get is stars or some sort of token of value, and I get a customer. Now, there's in this, in this equation, that works out for the brand that they get a customer. That works out for Apple that they're the central location. That works out for the consumer that they see advertising but get something from it. Who doesn't really win in this is the brand in that they don't get the backtracked data to then be able to do with what they want in remarketing to that customer everywhere. So I, I you know, I'm, I've said this before. I think you're coming into a uh, you're coming into a time as a brand where you're going to have to do you're going to have to start getting really creative and do a lot more with a lot less. You're going to have a lot less visibility to whom the actual consumer is. Um, and there's going to be there's going to be a very very big gated wall in between that data and the brand, and the gatekeepers are going to be very very few. And my guess is Apple and Google. Yeah, this this brings up a really interesting conversation, which funnels into another article that we kind of passed around this past week that kind of came up on CNN.com. A lot of merchants and retailers, especially smaller shops are trying to work towards a system in which they're doing away with cash transactions, right? Much like many marketers out there, they're talking about how do we remove friction from the point of engagement to the point of sale? How do we get them through faster? And there's efficiencies with regard to just getting people through the queue within a store location. And and a lot of what we're talking about with Apple dovetails into this conversation about removing friction, ultimately making it easier to purchase. The more purchases you make, the more data they collect, the more they can personalize the experience. But we're still living in this um, analog world where upwards of 25 to 30% of transactions are still being made with cash. So a lot of politicians and a lot of people People at the city, state, national level are raising their hands saying we can't, we can't exclude people from coming into our establishments and, and making purchases. But we've got these tech giants that are investing a ton of capital in toward, towards making um, digitized transactions happen. Meanwhile, there's a lot of people being left out. How do you, how do you reconcile this? I mean – I know this is a big question. This is kind of like a political question as well, but clearly those that are using cash transactions are people that are more likely to not have bank accounts or not have credit. How do you, how do you reconcile this? And, and is, it, is it okay for a small business to try to find a way to 
transact a little bit more fluidly and, and efficient. And, and I feel like capitalism is all about trying to find a way to get, uh, you know, a step up on the competition. And all of a sudden you've got lawmakers saying, hey, whoa, wait, you can't do this. You're leaving people out. You want to go first? I have very strong feelings on this. And no, I, go right I, ahead, because I kind of blanked out a little bit. Listen, I got up really early. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So this this is one of those things I haven't fully processed. I've thought a lot about, but I haven't processed through. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about it a little bit um, out of my own head. But this is a th- one of my general feelings on technology in general, not just marketing technology, is that it has a responsibility. We're moving into a time where technology has a social responsibility to positively affect underserved communities through the automation of things that were previously not available. Um, that can mean so much stuff. We've talked from the blockchain standpoint about you know, digital ID, so you know, not having the $40 to um, get a uh, renewed driver's license uh, if you don't have the $40 and you lost your driver's license. That's an impediment to being able to prove who you are. And if you don't have your driver's license, you can't get a birth certificate uh, reissued if if you don't already have one. And then uh, if you don't have a driver's license, you can't buy property. And so, I mean, this is obviously an extreme example, but it all kind of s- streams back to these man-made barriers in between you and things that are rightfully kind of yours, uh, it, it, especially in a capitalist economy. And so it's, I think the the goal of technology should be inclusiveness and the goal of growth should be inclusiveness. The problem is you don't, there's not like a hard line. You just don't say, you can't say to a private company, did you, did you build this with 30% inclusiveness? You, I mean, because there's, you know, shareholder value to think about and, and how you build things, all that kind of stuff. I think ultimately the ubiquity of the technology, the ubiquity of a universal ID that is used in Apple Pay and it's used in Google Pay and it's used in all these different things eventually streams down to a governmental level where states go, oh, okay, well, this technology is now, uh, you know, built out enough and the cost has come down enough where I can offer this to my, uh, to everybody in this state. It's, it, so it's, there's, there's no good answer, but I think we, we're really coming into a time and with a generation uh, that is not only uh, of the size of the baby boomer generation, but has a greater social conscience where you're going to see this kind of stuff started to be pushed into law to help serve underserved communities. Um, but you can't force it. It takes a lot of time because you, you can't force it because you can't say to a business, you have, you have to operate with X percentage of you know, the, uh, the underserved community in mind. No, but isn't it illegal for a business to refuse like legal tender? Like if you were to give a business cash, isn't it illegal for them to say no? Jim, are you a lawyer? No, I, I look like a, you a do. lawyer. You, you do look, look like a lawyer. You dress like a lawyer I, as well. I mean, like I, this might just be like a fallacy that I've been led to believe, but I feel as though I have heard that it is that businesses are not allowed to refuse legal so tender. So Amazon Go. An Amazon Go store has no cash registers, has no registers in general. Um, I think there's 10 of them right now. You pick up a thing. Obviously, you have to have the technology. You have to have an account with them, and you pick it up and you go. But they, I mean, that's continental United States. There's 
I think that's different because that's a pickup location. You can't walk in and buy something, right? You can't walk in and oh just no 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 you you have buy a granola you bar. have yes you absolutely can. That's the premise of it. Is I you go corrected. in, it's got food, it's got whatever. You pick it up, you walk out, and the RFID in your phone and the sensors in um, the ceiling basically pick that up and charge you to okay. your account without any transaction, um, physical transaction, check uh, cash register transa- transaction. So. It's a good question, something we should certainly look into because I don't have an answer. Yeah. But it begs the question, if, you know, for those that don't have smartphones, can't afford a smartphone, does, don't want a smartphone, is it discriminatory to just have stores that don't accept cash? It's, it's a difficult place to be. And, you know, I know you said about the technology, you know, do, do people when they're making technology think about it, if it's discriminatory? And I don't think technology developers need to think about that. But I do think shop owners do because they are they are tending a service to the public. So whether it should be illegal or not is it's a difficult question. And throwing out terms like it's discrimination is difficult as well because I don't think it's ever intended that way. Mm-hmm. But there is I, I think it's something like 16% of the population in Philadelphia was the article that I read that is below the poverty line. Yeah. And there's a lot of different reasons for not having a bank account. Some people just don't have that sort of cash flow. Some people are undocumented immigrants that some people cannot don't, have bank Some accounts. people don't want to be tracked by the government. Some people just want to hide their cash in mattresses. Mm-hmm. So I also kind of look at the article, and I'm pretty sure that the place that was uh, in question was a, a juicery. And I also question In Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, it was super hipster anyway, but it, it was. it's a hard play. Well, I, I, this is something I think that will at some point get litigated by the courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it this, this it, absolutely, it has to be. There was, you know, there was a, the, a court case in Indiana a handful of years ago where um, a shop owner, somebody who owned a, um, uh, a bakery, a cake store, um, oh, I refused, think I heard about this one. Yeah, refused to make um, a cake for a same-sex couple because their religion said, you know, I don't believe in same-sex marriage. So the person refused to do it. Uh, it went to the, I believe, the Indiana State Court, which upheld that, you know, at their right to not service somebody was inclusive in that. This is when Mike Pence is actually the governor of Indiana. And um, what happened, which is very interesting, is Indiana, specifically Indianapolis, has an extremely robust, growing tech community. And that tech community, which is, includes Salesforce, also includes, um, oh, shoot, uh, uh, Angie's List, which are huge employers that said, we will pull our jobs. We will offer our employees who live here the ability to go and go to our, one of our other locations, and we'll pay full freight for them to move if you decide to keep this law enacted. And they ended up, you know, the state ended up withdrawing it because of that, because there was so much uh, pressure specifically from tech, from tech companies and uh, promising to pull those jobs. Um, But, you know, with anything like this, people, there'll be some perversion of it. This, it will end up in the courts at some point. But that being said, you know, the pervasiveness of technologies and smartphones are now really starting to jump to markets for this. Aging, my dad's 76, and he is hammering on a phone all day and underserved. Phones are available at discounted prices now to a point where they are very pervasive in those communities as well. 
So the technology will adapt at some point, and there's going to be outlier cases that I think are going to be litigated. Um, but it begs a really thought-provoking question, huh? Yeah. You know who I think has done a really, uh, maybe not directly, but has provided a solution that could be easily adopted by some of these these vendors, and that's the the toll system. So the toll system, you know, it rolled out this program with a vendor called EasyPay, and then you can go fly through the tolls. It automatically deducts money as you you drive your car. You through. mean Easy Pass? Easy Pass. Is it? What did yeah, I it's Easy Pass. What did I say? Easy, Easy pay. pay. Easy Pay. Grow up, Jim. Oh my God. End Just of the keep day Thursday. Jim. We got Just end of the day Thursday. I, I prefer the morning editions personally. <laughs> But anyway, that that name was taken. This does not exclude people that want to pay cash to somebody that are willing to sit in line. It incentivizes people that that pay uh, for the service by charging them less money. So I think what you're going to kind of get into is there's ways that you can still cater to everyone but incentivize people to move over into a different way of doing things. And and I think they've done a, a nice um, – they've kind of straddled the line between the two sides. Um, so I think incentives are a better way to go. It doesn't feel as gross. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's let's face it. It feels gross when, when you're excluding people. Um, it does but at feel the same gross time, those, people. those people that are being excluded may not be the, you know – significant percentage of the transactions or, or the merchant or the people that are coming into the stores. But at the same time, there's things that you can do to kind of bridge the gap and still move towards a friction-free um, uh, way of doing things. Hey, can I give a quick opening day update? Please do. Uh, currently, since we're sitting in Ohio, in Cleveland right now, top of the fifth, nut nothing, mm. Indians, Oof. twins, and the second game, don't don't tell me about the Cubs. I'm going to watch later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you no for. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. Okay. I also, don't know how you do that. Uh, Wolf, That's we have an update for the polls. I can only imagine the Cubs are winning big. Uh, um, sure. But uh, I did actually look up the whole legal tender issue. Electronic payments do count as legal tender, and businesses are allowed to only accept electronic Holy payments God. under that clause. Technology. Not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. Just play one on TV. No. She's imagine smart though. That. Speaking of tollways, uh, what better place to get fast food, right? Hot off the presses, McDonald's, and, and we won't go too deep into this, but I just wanted, in the spirit of um, burger joints, since we talked about Burger King last week, McDonald's has um, gone in on a big investment, uh, actually a $300 million investment, into a company called Dynamic Yield. And for anybody that's not familiar with them, which is probably most people, uh, they have an algorithm that is driving decision technology. So when you put a pair of shoes in your, um, in your basket and you're checking out and they say, hey, people that bought those shoes also bought this, that, and the other, it's kind of like that. So anybody that's been into a McDonald's within the past year is starting to see that they're increasingly moving more towards um, like a kiosk-based system. Even going through the drive-through, things are far more digitized than they used to be. So interesting to see where they're going with this. Uh, the promise is personalization. It's kind of ridiculous to think about fast food and personalization without thinking about Joel Hammond because, I mean, is, is there anybody that is, you know, quicker to raise his hand and say, I want you to know exactly what I want when Andy I come loves into fast your food. establishment once again? Andy loves fast food. Andy loves fast food. 
and he loves it. But um, I guess the question becomes, I mean, how much personalization do people really need in fast food situations? So let me, let me can I replace something? Yeah. Um, I want to replace personalization with convenience. So speed. So talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, in the next century, the, uh, you know, oil, the new oil is data. And have you ever gone and... New oil <laughs> is data. We are going to be tweeting that at the AAGAM podcast. New, the new oil is data. Have you ever gone and sat in line at a drive through at McDonald's? Yes. Would you like that to be faster? Yes. There you go. So they have a way that uh, it's an efficiency more than it is a personalization. So I think when most people look and say personalization, they think to themselves, my name in a subject line of an email, or you retargeted me with the pants that I looked at earlier. I think this is as much a personalization of speed. Would you like the same order you had last time? Yes, go. Would you like, uh, to your point, uh, people who have placed this order also like these things. Would you like any of these things? No, go. And I think it's as much a personalization for speed and understanding of your specific behavior um, that is going to drive efficiencies like this. And it's almost it's sad to a point that like a drive through is not fast enough for us anymore. It's not like it's always two o'clock in the morning in a bar district in a college town and you're trying to get Taco Bell. Like it's fast food's pretty fast. But we just I mean, the, the consumer demand keeps going up, keeps going up. Oh man, Taco Bell needs to get in on this. Yeah, Taco Bell does. Can you imagine? I would just go. I would just get into my car at two o'clock in the morning just to see what everybody else has been eating. Like I, that's entertainment alone for me. Let me ask you. Uh, let me present you with another potential scenario. You now have two drive-through lanes. One drive-through lane is personalized customers. The other one is not personalized customers. You're more incentivized to be a personalized customer. Give them your data. Tell them exactly what you've liked in the past. So that you move through that line more quickly. You know what drive-through lane I want? I want the drive-through lane where I order it how I want it on the app ahead of time, and I just go through the window and pick it up. I believe that's what I just said. And then in that time, you're waiting. Maybe they give you a milkshake. Who knows? But I won't have to wait. I want to. Have, I already want to have to order it. See, that's why I love the apps is because you can get it exactly how you want it. Like the Chipotle app is fantastic because you can totally say half agree. order, you can say double order, you can save it. And you don't have to worry about, you know, somebody misunderstanding what you're saying. I mean, so hopefully. So what it, Morgan is saying more eloquently than I said is exactly that. But using you raising your hand, becoming a known entity, yes. and then you get to go through the fast line. I want to go through the – yes. I want the fast pass to my chicken nuggets. I want to go fast. And then at the end of it says if you're not first, you're last. You know, I think this is just a situation where a cash-rich company just bought a new toy – I'm, I'm just going to go – this is a hot take, but uh, here's some numbers to chew on. Free cash flow of McDonald's, $4.2 billion. $4.2 billion. You know what Apple's looks like? What? Crunchy. $76 billion. Some people got too much cash. Straight squad People got seven rings. You got to buy some stuff. I don't know. I still think Burger King's smarter. Why, why is that? Set your board on you know fire. What? When is Hardy's going to do something that we can oh, talk about? Oh, get after about? it, Hardy's. Oh, boy. We'll <laughs> have to me, save Hardee's. that for another episode. Some Hardy's, maybe some White Castle. Let's talk about these underdogs and how, you know. I mean, well, let, speaking of Hardy's, like, let's just all be thankful that 
their co-brand Carl's J finally dropped some of their uh, television commercial proclivities for you know half-naked women washing cars with hamburgers i'm sorry i have to i have to jump in here with breaking news apple actually now has 245 billion dollars of cash on hand that's up three percent year over year one of the knocks that they get always with uh in their stock price is what are you doing with all the cash what you doing with all that cash spend it on something so let's let's you know let's wrap this up in a fun way rabbit you're going to mcdonald's what's your order uh, I was going to say 10-piece chicken McNugget, barbecue sauce, large fry. This is an ideal world. I actually don't do this. And uh, strawberry milkshake. I'm going ice cream cone. Just an ice cream cone. Yeah, I love them. I think there should just be a, a lane only for ice cream cones. God, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, you could just go right up because, you know, I have to tell you, is. I don't disagree with that one bit. I love them. Three Seriously. lanes now. Yeah. Three lanes. People who aren't known, people cone. who are known, ice cream only. Yep. Quick detour. Went to uh, Dairy Queen like a week and a half ago. Cherry dip. Not great. Not great. <laughs> McDonald's, way better. Way better quality oh, in boy. ice cream. Just for the record, six-piece chicken nugget, double sweet and sour sauce, large fry. Ooh. Coca-Cola. Double sweet and sour. Coca-Cola straight. You go, yep. you go Going three and three. You spend all that sweet and sour on three nuggets? No, it's half for my fries, half for my nuggets. Ooh. Ooh dang. Ooh. Have it your way. Man. All right. Man. I've been rocking the uh, double sweet and sour since like 1984. I see you, Rooks. We want to know what you guys are ordering from McDonald's. So tweet at us, please. Once again, at the A Game Podcast. And if you want to listen to the program next week, just click the subscribe. It's just that simple. And rate the program while you're at it. Thank you once again to our panel, our good friend, Jeff Colton, and our favorite, Morgan Rooks. Aww. Joel, I hope you're having fun at Ariana Grande. Mm -hmm. And chances are you're probably just watching the Indians game. (laughs) But there's no score if anybody out there is um, waiting to watch the Indians game until after we post this. You you should probably (laughs) just watch the next Indians game. 0-0, top five. Yeah, 0-0, top five. Don't tell me about the Cubs. World Series this year. Next week. Prediction, World Series. Next week on the A game. Next week on the A game, we talk about our brackets. That's kind of like an inside joke because we keep saying that. We never talk about it. Go Oregon. (laughs) Go Oregon. Roll on, Ducks. Bye. Toodaloo.